sorry to interrupt you while you're working. I'm sorry too, boss. Sisters, just look at you. Mere pleasure objects for the male of the species. Read these. She's just lost the male of the species and doesn't know how to handle it. Right, sweetheart? Wrong, sweetheart. <laughs> I know exactly how to handle it. And it does not include talking to male chauvinist freaks like you. You heard what she said? Up to now, I've tried to behave like a gentleman. Shishimi, throw her out. <laughs> throw you out. You only got yourself to blame, sugar. Tell me when it's over. I can't bear to watch. there my fallen fall foliages it's chappy your british butler it's keep calm and cauliflower cheese it's episode 228 and i'm in new chappy towers i have to be honest with you old chappy towers small chappy towers not the original chappy towers where i was in chappy towers because i was up high in a pedestal i was from the crow's nest but uh, i'm 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 on a very high parapet here in new chappy towers overlooking my kingdom not really although i do feel like i should fly a union jack or flag a st george or something just to uh, piss people off it's a possibility but i'm up high and um i'm looking for a window normally i speak to you i'm I'm looking at a wall and talking into a wall i'm talking into a window now so you'll be see here occasional commentary from chappy towers this will be a new feature occasional commentary from Chappie Towers, where people walk by, uh, I see stuff going on that may be slightly suspicious, slightly dodgy. It's great people watching. And we'll make this the people watching podcast of your generation. Yes, how does that sound? That sounds rather lovely, doesn't it? Hope you have a lovely week. I'm strained. My, all my muscles are strained. The hammies are strained. The back's strained. The toes are strained. Everything's strained. I feel like my uh, arms are like more like a chimpanzee now. They're an extra six inches longer from all the heavy boxes. And I'm going up several stories here. Why didn't they put an elevator in there? Please. Why did they not put an elevator <laughs> Yes, I'm feeling rather funky today. Happy Friday to you. It's uh, marvellous to be here. And it's lovely seeing. I'm, I'm seeing in live, real time, leaves falling off the tree, cascading down and hitting the grass below. It's rather wondrous. It, it makes you good to feel alive, right? And I'm thinking I may put a hammock up on the balcony. I keep talking about hammocks. 
I need to find a reinforced hammock for my balcony here. But welcome along. This is the beginning of your weekend. Keep coming, cauliflower cheese. We're your dearest chappy from New Chappy Towers and his perfect parapet. So let me present to you the two, probably two of the worst jobs in the world here. Firstly, movers. Hats off to movers who have to do the shifting. They're the Mr. Shifters and Mrs. Shifters. Oh, what an awful job. I mean, on a, you know, flat, on a flat sort of Chappy Towers where there's no steps to go up, which old Chappy Towers, as I said, it really wasn't towers. It was almost like in a basement. But uh, new Chappy Towers, you'd have got three flights. And you're carrying furniture, you're carrying boxes, you're carrying all my wisdom cricket monthlies and wisdom stats from the last hundred years in the boxes there. Various autobiographies, um, you know, Magni Cricket and Golf and sort of uh, James Bond magazines, all this stuff. So you're carrying all this stuff up in and uh, you have to be as fit as a fiddle. I mean, I carried probably 10 boxes up and I was whacked. It vermoosed me. It absolutely vermoosed me. And I'm still feeling it in the muscles. I'm feeling muscles that I didn't have. Probably sort of knots on cotton, but still muscles that I didn't have. And uh, yeah, everything's aching today. So first job, worst job in the world, movers. Second job, cleaners. So to clean old chappy towers. Now, have you ever, um, I was gonna say it's a desiccated onion, but it's a, it's a rotten onion that's basically formed into the floor. Have you ever had to scrape one of those off? You need basically a chisel, a hammer and chisel. You need Thor's hammer and probably another uh, Greek god's chisel to, 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 to carve off this onion from the floor. And then you try to get it, you try to get it cleaned. Now, in the middle of the night when I couldn't sleep, I was looking at cleaning things and washing soda. Apparently you add this to your laundry to make your laundries white and sparkly, white and sparkly. But you also you can clean floors, you can clean surfaces. Now, I filled my bath with this stuff and the water turned blue. Now, I, I, that probably isn't a good thing, as I don't know. So yeah, the water turned blue, but afterwards it looked a lot cleaner. Amazing stuff. But then I tried cleaning the floor and I think I got the consistency wrong. The powdered washing soda consistency uh, with um, water, not enough water in there and it less streaks. And then I was reading, make sure you get streaky washing soda off quickly. I mean, I, I was panicking. I was trying to like, I get water towels soaked with water and I was mopping it all over here, trying to get rid of the streaky mess. It's really streaky. I can't tell you how streaky it was. I mean, it was, a, it was the skid marks of washing soda trying to get off these floors here. So. Yeah, I, I, just warning to you, if you're going to wa use washing soda, be very, very careful. And also burns the hands. I had a cut, I had a cut on my hand. So I had a cut on my hand and uh, it got in there. Oh, the, the buggery was hurting, it was like right in there. It's worse than pour, pouring, pouring lemon in, I promise you, my people. Um, but yes, yeah, so be careful of the washing soda situation. Uh, it's a good cleaner, but it, it is a little bit of a streaky mess here. And then uh, I was uh, trying to get rid of my, uh, I'm so like 2020 here, gravity blanket. I never use this thing. It's too heavy. It doesn't help me sleep. And then I was trying to cart this gravity blanket probably about five minutes away. Now, I tell you, if you, if you don't have any gym equipment, just, put, just drape a gravity blanket round your neck. 
That'll be the best workout you're ever going to have. Okay, some of the things that we may or may not be talking about uh, on the show today. We've got the tales of the old Uber driver. Yeah, more tales of the old Uber driver. Rick. We've got the... Uh, <laughs> no, it's John, sorry. Rick. But I've got... Oh, my notes are terrible sometimes, aren't they? I've got Rick and Roll. But Rock and Roll. He was a rock and roll manager. Now John is an Uber driver. Also, never have anything related to baked beans if you're moving. Never, nothing related to baked beans if you're moving. You can't do that. And the curse of trying to find the toilet at the dinner party or using the toilet at a dinner party or any sort of party. I cannot sleep on the right-hand side of the bed. Do people really have sides of the bed? I, I do. I can't sleep on anything other than... Well, no, there's a right-hand side. As I'm laying down, it's the right-hand side here. Yeah, I always have to look at which, which hand my watch is on and you know, just to see if I can find which... Anybody would think I'm ambidextrous or something. I can't find my turmeric. White chocolate bread pudding. Heavenly delights. Uh, let's talk about that as well. College Street has no more shiny papers. Uh, also, Banana Man. Uh, these awful like signage, um, pictures, uh, inspirational quotes that have people have up when you're on a Zoom call and you see, believe in yourself, teamwork, try harder, go for the goal. You know, all of these things. We'll be talking about that as well. Should I leave my portrait my, my portrait, this is somebody, this is an old girlfriend of mine who painted this in 2002, shortly before I broke up with her. Now, she painted this portrait that it started off a lovely portrait and ended up like a, a dark sort of uh, pastiche, and not, not, not particularly complimentary. Um, but should I leave it at old Chappy Towers? Thinking about maybe doing that as well. I've seen a new game as part of my new commentary on real life here at New Chappy Towers from my little parapet. I'm seeing a new game that people are playing every day. I'm going to be enlightening you into that game. Also, the infamous. Every morning so far I've been here, I've seen the vaping runner. We're a carb-laden, and carb-tastic show here, but we do love our sweeties. We do love the quality street. And now that it's October, well, to be honest, it's probably in uh, in September. Now that it uh, now that it's into the autumn. Let's talk about Christmas. It's not that long to go. But quality, quality street flavors may come and go. Tubs may shrink. But one thing has remained constant since 1936. The shiny, sparkly, rustling papers made from foil and colored cellophane. No more. Quality street will now be wrapped in waxy, recyclable paper. It will save two billion bits of wrapping going on to landfill. But as my daughter said when she opened the sample tin, what have they done? Very, very controversial, very, very controversial news here. Uh, for the past 86 years, one thing has united families around the Christmas tree. Rows and rows and rows and rows of quality street. The scandalous axing of the coffee cream, the shrinking tub sizes, the glut of toffee pennies. But the one thing has remained constant, the wrappers. 
Ever since Harold, later Viscount Mackintosh, launched Quality Street in 1936, they've come in wrapped in silver foil and a second layer of brightly coloured see-through plastic in distinctive form packaging that creates a rustle and sparkle as you dig in seeking another caramel swirl. No more. Nestle, the owner of Quality Street, is scrapping the wrappers in favour of the form of wax paper to make its packaging recyclable. The decision is intended to stop 2 billion wrappers a year being thrown into landfill. Consumers will start to notice a change in the coming weeks. Alex Hutchinson, a chocolate historian who used to be the official archivist at uh, Archivist, 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 at Roundtree Macintosh said it's a huge deal and it's a bit sad because when Harold Macintosh originally launched the Quality Street, he specifically designed it to be an explosion of colour, different flavours, different shapes. The wrapping was absolutely key. She said the success of the brand had rested in part of the packaging, which hid the fact the actual sweets are very cheap. Quality Street was for working class families and it was made mainly of toffees made from cheap British ingredients. Toffee was much more affordable than chocolate, which was exotic and expensive, darlings. The toffees were covered in just a thin layer of chocolate, but they made up for it by ensuring that when you opened the tin, there was a riot of a festival of textures, sounds and colours. The new wrappers keep their distinctive colours, hazelnut, in caramel and purple paper, the coconut eclair in blue, the fudge in pink and so on. But the sparkle of the plastic wrappers has been replaced by paper that neither is fully matte nor fully shiny. The paper has a slight sheen from lacquer and the ink pigment while the paper is coated with a vegetable-based wax which protects the chocolates from the inside. Cheryl Allen, head of the sustainability of Nestle Confectionery, says the company has thought long and hard before making such a change. Quality Street is a brand that people feel very strongly about. We know that opening the lid and seeing the jewels, as we call them, is really important. We think that we've done a really good job with the redesign and feel confident that people will respond positively. This isn't the first attempt to make Quality Street wrappers more environmentally friendly. In 2008, Nestle started producing the plastic outer wrappers from the combustible cellulose. So was it? Some, are they making it out of cellulite? I tell you, that really that that could probably uh, that could probably be a very good recycling tool, isn't it? Really, but the company admits only a tiny number of the consumers bothered to dispose of them with their potato peelings. About uh, 1.7 billion quality street jewels are eaten in Britain, the equivalent of 63 per household. Well. If it's a household of one, are you still allowed to eat 63? It is a glutton that kept create a fortune for the Macintosh family, which includes Millie Macintosh 33, the Made in Chelsea star. The company was sold to Nestle in 1988, but the sweets are still made at their original home in Halifax, West Yorkshire, because a green triangle and the orange chocolate crunch already came in the foil wrapper. So they already had the foil wrapper. They're going to remain the same. So they'll remain the same. Robert Oppel, founder of the Museum of Brands, said there is a strong association between packaging and the product, so every brand owner should be wary of making changes. But it looks like Quality Street have made a fairly determined effort to make the new wrappers as similar as possible to the old. But we do need to save the planet. Well, I tell you what, I, I think we need to start something here. I do believe in recycling. It's, it's hard to be green, not easy being green, but, uh, well, not unless you're the Nothia Triangle. If you're, the, if you're the triangle, if you're that fondant triangle in the Quality Street, it's very easy to be the triangle. It's a wonder, wondrous thing, isn't it? Wondrous. That triangle is uh, it's like the Bermuda Triangle of Delight. Mm. Anyway, 
I'm just digressing here. I'm gonna I'm gonna stop using toilet paper. Well, no, not completely, not completely, not completely. I'm just gonna start using newspaper, like they did in the old honey carts, where they had newspapers pinned to the wall and you use that. So I'm gonna use my newspapers. I'm gonna read them whilst on the john and uh, use them at the same time to wipe my uh, patoose. Yep, that's what I'm going to do. And we can might we might save the plasticky foily wrappers in Quality Street. Tales of the old Uber driver. Some of the most fascinating characters you'll ever meet drive an Uber. Because I think these mostly these people are very, very social. Occasionally they're not. And you have a great chat to them. Absolutely fantastic chat. So it's not called Rick, as I said earlier. He's not Rick and Roll. He's Rock and Roll. His name's John. He's an Uber driver. And uh, he's been an Uber driver about 10 years. Before that, he drove uh, drove a cab, you know, like the old London cabbies, didn't they? Some of them have uh, stopped being London cabbies and now they're Uber drivers. Now, this guy was fascinating. He was a rock and roll manager during um, the 60s, 70s and 80s. And he also apparently took marijuana legislation to the Supreme Court and uh, he, uh, he now has a little business that prints marijuana t-shirts. Um, but apparently, as a rock and roll manager, he went bankrupt. I mean, he didn't have enough, you know, enough good acts. I mean, he might have had like Betty Boo or Chesney Hawks or something along those lines. Um, but he smoked pot with Robert Plant. Uh, yeah, Robert Plant. He smoked pot with Robert Plant. And now his uh, his job that he does, you know, he still drives around the Uber. I think he still smokes pot. Hopefully not like the lady the other week, Celeste or whatever her name was. I can't remember. Um, he still smokes pot, but whilst he's smoking pot, he grows tomatoes. And he says because of the wet uh, summer that we've had here in Colorado, an abundance of tomatoes. Tomatoes coming out of his ears. I mean, I wonder if, like, if you had, like, an extra big tomato and you were smoking pot, would that freak you out? Would the vines freak you out as you're getting high smoking, uh, you know, smoking the hashish or whatever the hell he's smoking here? But, uh, yeah, so he's trying to get rid of his tomatoes. He wanted to sell me some tomatoes. I mean, I don't know if he had them in the back of his car or anything along those lines, but he's trying to smell, uh, sell, smell me. He didn't smell at all. He didn't smell of tomatoes all, but there's a certain uh, pungency about a tomato plant, isn't there? From what I remember as well, from a child, father used to always grow tomatoes. Uh, but uh, so, yeah, so rock and roll manager to take in marijuana legislation to the Supreme Court well, went fairly high. You know, printed marijuana T-shirts and now he is selling tomatoes and driving it over. I mean, this is a this is a success story, and he's his own boss, and I think he's happy. I, I do think these guys and gals in the gig economy are very very happy. I mean, what what better than smoking marijuana and growing tomatoes, tomatoes? Saw this the other day. Absolutely beautiful from A. a. Milne. I can face the winter with calm, crisp and sparkling days, long pleasant evenings, cherry fires. Good work shall be done this winter. Life shall be lived well. The end of summer is not the end of the world. Here's to October. 
We love to go old school here and keep calm and cauliflower cheese. And posset. The old school British dessert was once considered a medicine. Some traditional old foods and drinks may seem strange in origin and seem antiquated. Some are revered and their recipes and practices are preserved, honored and kept alive. In the same vein, they can be considered medicine before turning into just another quirky consumable. The British posset is one such supposedly medicinal marvel. According to the Museum of the American Revolution, posset is simply a hot drink meant to be served warm and drooling. <laughs> I mean, if anybody ever described me, that should be the name of my autobiography. Chappy, warm and drooling. Originating in England, posset was known as a remedy for many afflictions, most notably the common cold and specifically used to treat fevers per the British history. The dish was so widespread and universally known in England and the surrounding kingdoms that mentions of Posset have found their way into 17th century royal medical records. King Charles I, before he lost his head, because I'm sure it's difficult to drink anything medicinal when you're headless, uh, was giving Posset to drink after coming down with a cold. And even the writings of Shakespeare in The Merry Wives of Windsor. Anyway, I'm just going to put that to one side. Just, can you just pause that for a second? Can you put a, a little milestone, a little marker post down? Because I want to tell you about St. George's Chapel, where, where the Queen was buried a few weeks ago next to her dearly beloved Philip, uh, George VI, her dad, her mother, Queen Elizabeth of Boyan, and uh, also, um, I believe, who else was there? Her, oh, yes, her sister Margaret. Now, also in the St. George's Chapel is Henry VIII. Now, Henry VIII wanted some magnificent, wondrous ceremonial uh, epithet, uh, a memorial to his reign, his life. It was never built. I don't know if it was built or maybe Cromwell took it back. I don't think it was ever built. So it's just a, a plain stone marking his uh, where his grave was. But apparently, I think it was in, in maybe 1830 or something along those lines. They went into the crypt because they had to move Charles I, head and all. If they moved Charles I, head and all, into uh, into the St. George's uh, Chapel. And it was next to Henry VIII and next to, uh, next to Jane Seymour, his beloved Jane Seymour, who bore him Edward, King Edward, later to become Edward VI, the child king. Anyway, so... Uh, Jane Seymour's coffin and, and, and tomb was completely intact, but Henry VIII had been broken into, and the, uh, the, the, the grave diggers looked into the coffin, and they could see strands of red hair, knowing it was Henry VIII. Anyway, back to Posset. From so medicine to munchies, back to Posset. Historically, Posset was made with curdled cream or milk mixed with some form of liquor, Usually sweet ale or cherry, per the British food history. It was also spiced with things like cinnamon and fruit. Oh, no, it's not pumpkin spice, is it? Uh, as fruit juice is also added as well. Served hot as a drink, the posset is a tad different from the contemporary one. According to Masterclass, possets turned into a dessert akin to pudding or syllabub, made with heavy creams, lots of sugar, and fruit flavoring typical of lemon. Modern posset is very smooth, decadent and a mousse-like dessert there we go i mean front of my uh, front of my t-shirt um i've got we got the front of the t-shirt sorted out but the back you know decadent and very smooth 
That, that, that should be the uh, mantra of this show, shouldn't it? The Pusset is often topped with whipped cream and fruit as well, while these newer Pussets may not possess the healing powers that the older iterations were said to have. They sure can cure an empty stomach. All in all, it may not break the fever, but it may give your taste buds a refresh and reset. So we've already had our quality street, but let's give you a little bit more Christmas, shall we? A little bit more Christmas in our October. Britain could get its first white Christmas in 12 years, say forecasters. We're set to experience a much colder, windier winter. <laughs> That's the beans again, isn't it? Britain could see its first white Christmas in 12 years, with forecasters predicting a sharp tumble in temperatures over the coming weeks. While the last widespread white Christmas was in 2010, leading bookmaker Coral says the winter could come even earlier. With many of us set to enjoy flurries of snow on Christmas Day, in fact, according to forecasting models compiled by the EU's Meteorological Agency, the UK could experience a much colder, windier winter. The odds say it'll be an all-white on the big day. I mean, this is the time I go back. <laughs> it's going to be six foot of snow. Not going to be able to get around. No rail. No heat. It's going to be uh, wonderful. But I'll have my box of Quality Street. Big chills are coming early this year. John Hill told Metro... We're less than 100 days away from Christmas now, and with temperatures set to fall rapidly over the coming days, the early odds suggest we could be set for a white Christmas this year. Many of us might be dreaming of a white Christmas, but this cold snap could worsen the cost of living crisis for many households, worrying there could be a possibility that the UK could enter a gas supply emergency. A lot of coal fires this year, a lot of, uh, lot of wood burners, I think. Due to the war in Ukraine and gas shortage in Europe, there's a significant rise in gas shortages. Elsewhere, research by the Met Office found that we're more likely to see snow between January and March than December, with snow or sleet falling an average 3.9 days in December. White Christmases were more frequent in the 18th and 19th centuries, even more so before the change of the calendar in 1752, which effectively brought Christmas Day back by 12 days. Climate change is also to blame, with higher average temperatures over land and sea generally reducing the chances of a white Christmas. Oh, I want a white Christmas. I love a white Christmas. We got it here in Colorado quite a bit. And a white Christmas in England is a very rare beast indeed. So I've found something quite wondrous uh, over today when I'm doing the podcast. Thinking, as I'm pressing all the buttons here, adjusting the microphone, I've got a little bit of egg, a uh, little bit of yolk on my left thumb. I think this is rather wonder. I'm having like a lick of this through the day. You get a little bit of protein, a little bit of egg goodness through the day. It's cake to the thumb. Now, I don't like go around dipping my uh, thumbs into softboard. Well, not normally anyway. But it's like a little surprise, isn't it? I just need a buttered soldier just to uh, take the, you know, take the breast of the yolk off the thumb. That'd be absolutely perfect, my dears. So many people, not me, I have to say, not me. Many people say Americans don't know how to make cheese. But very, very sadly, one of the best cheese shops in America, oldest cheese shop, files for Chapter 11 bankruptcy. Nothing Gouda can stay. This nation's premier fromage purveyor has been rendered insolvent. Oliva Dairy, the Little Italy's deli, has claimed the uh, country's oldest cheese has filed for a Chapter 11 bankruptcy. Despite the enormous setback, the cheddar seller plans to bring back on slinging brie, even at teeters on the brink. 
After months of serious attempts to pay the landlord in full, Oliva Dairy and the landlord at 188 Grand Street in New York was unable to reach an agreement by the dairy vendor first established in 1892. Americans can make cheese. Oliva Dairy, established in 1892, located on Grand Street in Little Italy, neighborhood of Manhattan, is the oldest cheese shop in the United States. The business was founded by Pino Oliva from Benevento, Italy. In 2014, the business was bought by the actor and one-time boxer marrow Joe Chacha Sarathi. At one point, Tony Danza, the actor and entertainer, former boxer whom Chacha managed as a pugilist, was partner in the shop. Here are some of the things on the menu made from the cheese. Cheese lasagna, one of the favorites, sold an individual piece made with cheese. You got the meat lasagna, chicken cacciatore, chicken masala, broccoli rabi and pasta. Oh, this macaroni and cheese with pasta, pecorini romano, parmigiano, cheddar, mozzarella, black pepper, meatloaf with mashed potatoes. Well, we'll move that to one side. I think meatloaf should be used as a doorstop. Chap, chicken cardinelli, pork loin parmigiana. Oh, penne vodka sauce with chicken. I mean, you can't let these people go. This is all these lovely Italian foods made with the cheese that they make on site delicious you can have an italian wedding soup as well you can have some stuffed bread some stromboli oh oh that's like mommy used to make because some uh, paris hilton news here paris hilton consults seven credible pet mediums in search of a missing chihuahua a missing chihuahua she assembled a team of pet detectives dog whisperers pet mediums and psychics she's trying to hire dog finding drones now on Monday, Paris Hilton made a plea. She said, bring back Diamond Baby, a chihuahua that's been missing for more than two weeks after she shipped out of Hilton's house when a worker left the door ajar. $10,000 could be yours in exchange for a lost pup. She wrote on Twitter, it's been so incredibly hard for me to post because Diamond Baby, Hilton Pets, has been missing since last Wednesday. I went to a photo shoot moving houses and one of my movers must have left the door open. My family and friends have been helping me search high and low throughout the neighborhood and have gone door to door. Anyone who's ever loved a pet and lost a pet will understand the pain I'm feeling. My heart is truly broken. If you have any tips about Diamond Baby's whereabouts, feel free. If you've seen her, reach out the email, finddiamondbaby at gmail.com. All is not lost, though. It's totally depressing. I didn't know she's tapped into a network and help seven credible pet mediums communicators say she's alive and someone has her. Seven mediums, seven pet mediums. How did Hilton find these mediums? Do they have LinkedIn's? I did not realize that there were so many, but when you think about it, for more than a second, the fact there are only seven pet mediums, seven credible ones, is not unexpected. There's a show, Dog Whisperer Season Milan, which had nine whole seasons, and then another show called Pet Psychic. Something tells me a pet psychic is different than a pet medium. A scepter-blind study of baby diamonds continued uh, missing, uh, missing in action is definitely one for science to look at, but well, no matter your level of skepticism, and also your level of fear that one of our queens is being grifted. I can understand it. Listen, we're all looked at animal lovers. What's going on here? What are you thinking? What do you want? What are your dreams? Do you love as much? But of course, she'd go above and beyond to commune with a missing pup. Of course, we'd assemble a team. At least the heiress can afford the bills. So the lovely heiress, Paris Hilton, has lost her beloved baby diamond she's got the mediums the mediums are alive but there's some grifter out there he's trying to shake her down for some cash to get baby diamond back
Well, not Baby Diamond's back. Baby back. Baby Diamond back with Paris. To offer you a little uh, public health warning here. You do be very, very careful not to eat too many beans when you're moving. I made this terrible problem and terrible mistake uh, the other day. And uh, yeah, so I had some beans in a fungus breakfast uh, last, uh, I think it was last Thursday. And then I went to a party where I had this beans casserole. And there were like five or six different types of beans and bacon. There. Beans and bacon are a heady and unfortunate explosive concoction. And then you're moving, you're bending, shaking, lifting, squatting. You don't want to be having, you don't want to be having beans. And, you know. Yeah, you don't want to be having beans if you're bending or squatting. I mean, it became like the fart orchestra going up the stairs. And then you got the poor movers behind you. And you're like trying to loudly... <coughs> You don't want that going on. I mean, you feel sorry for these fellas, don't you? You feel sorry for these fellas being uh, directly behind you. So I, I did go to a party on Saturday. I know, one of my few social sojourns. <laughs> uh, so I went to this party. And um, have you ever been at a party where you've got the whole bean situation? So you've got a rumbling going on in the Bronx. And uh, you, you don't know where the bathrooms are. So you arrive at the party. You can't immediately go to the bathroom. You know, really, really have to go. I really have to go here. And you're like suddenly trying to find out where the bathroom is. And then you realize the bathroom is a little bit too close. It's a little too close to where the party's going on. Now, is the bathroom soundproof? Will anybody be able to hear you? I mean, should you like to cough? Do you get the cymbals out? Yeah, so I mean... The bathroom was a little bit too close. There was a lock on the door, which is good. But then, not only do you feel that you're too close, so you're coughing, you're trying to get the um, the air fan going to make a little bit more noise to block out any other rumblings going on. And then, worst of all, you discover there's no air freshener. So if you're going to a party and you don't know how far away the bathroom is from the party happening. You're a little bit worried about all sorts of different things going on. I mean, you could put a playlist on whilst you're in the bathroom so people could hear a playlist instead of anything else. But also, I want to introduce you, and we're bringing this out in the shops for Christmas. It's a new chappy uh, copyrighted item here. It's supportable party plunger. It's a plunger that you, uh, you, you keep down your left trouser leg. It can be Velcro to your leg. It might walk, make you walk like you've got a third leg or something, but it's a portable party plunger that you can take. So if there's any issues going on in the bathroom at the party, you have your portable party plunger. Now, thank you. If you suddenly decided to become a uh, bodybuilder, it's never too late. We've got a 90-year-old bodybuilder who poses nude for Men's Health magazine. At 90, Jim Arrington is the world's oldest bodybuilder. But if you ask him, he's only just getting started. Arrington, who was given the title of oldest male bodybuilder by the Guinness Book of Records in 2018, recently stripped down for a photo shoot of men's health, proving that everybody and everybody, no matter their age, is perfect. For lifelong fitness aficionado, it's also an opportunity to educate other seniors in the importance of nourishing the relationships with their bodies. At my age, your body is a lot more fragile, Arrington told the publication. You have to be more careful when you're training. You can't abuse it. Your tendons have a tendency 
The tendons have a tendency uh, to detach. In the past, that sounds awful, doesn't it? In the past five years, my left bicep broke loose. Like bicep and bobble away. Uh, I had a little bit of tear in my right bicep too. So you can't do things you used to be able to do. It's really disheartening. I mean, do you think he gets injured lifting like a dozen eggs out of the fridge or something along those lines? Since the age of 14, however, discovering the bodybuilding community after reading George Jowett's bod, molding a mighty chest. Tell you something, I'm going to have to go and look for that in a library. Molding a mighty chest. Uh, ironically, achieving his dreams required a lot more mental work than physical. I struck it out for more than 75 years because I'm still goal-orientated. My goal was to be Mr. America, but after five years, I saw I didn't really have the genetics. I learned the secret of bodybuilding back in 1974 from Ken Waller, Mr. Universe. He told me to do what works for you. Thanks a lot. That's essentially what I've got to do. Experiment and see what works for me. Physical strength isn't important to me. My great-grandfather added, I like to be strong, but I have very small bones ligaments and everything my wife's stronger than i am in many ways she has bigger hands i don't know if i'd ever want to marry somebody with bigger hands do you think they're hairy hands too in all arrington can compete in more than 60 competitions as 116 my life goal i've entered the ifbb legion master pro in reno nevada i entered in the over 80s i'm still trying to convince them that i should be an over 90s competition as well unless somebody else older than me comes along i'm sweeping the competition and he goes on about his small bones again. Oh, I have small bones, and I would never be able to put on the size to become Mr. America. But I, I guess my strategy was to outlive and outweigh everybody by waiting until everybody else grew up or died. Well, I mean, that's probably the key. I mean, what a strategy. Everybody always says there's somebody or something they have to work a little on, and they say that they aren't ready yet. They tell themselves they'll compete later. You can't look at that way. You need the experience. You just have to do it. Like a Nike commercial, isn't it, really? Oh, Mr. Arrington. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. What will I be doing in 90? I, I don't think I'll be able to... I, I might be able to lift the eggs out. I mean, if I can't lift the eggs out of the fridge and I can't make myself a breakfast burrito, it's not even worth living, is it? I'll also worry with this sort of new shoes of Arrington's, though. I mean, do you think his balls look shriveled up pickled walnuts? Thank you for joining me on the podcast this weekend. I think I'm going to squeeze another podcast in with my delicious, delightful, wondrous daughters. They're coming in and they're going to join me on the podcast, uh, I believe, for a uh, maybe a late weekend podcast on Sunday. Potentially, potentially, if I can get them out of bed to do it. Hey, So if you like and subscribe to the podcast, please do on all the platforms. Apple Podcasts, Spotify has a uh, audio version, Slacker Breaker, iHeartRadio, Pandora, you can listen on uh, Audible. You can also listen on um, Amazon Music, Amazon Podcasts, Google Podcasts, basically anywhere. So I think as Arrington, as Mr. Arrington's uh, biceps burst, you could hear Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese emanating from the torn muscle. Yeah, emanating from the torn muscle. We do have a Musical Emporium Butler edition on Spotify. It's basically my utterings, my ramblings, uh, scattered music between so you've got some music here if you like some uh, David Lee Roth just a jiggler if you like some gravity some Barry Manilow Bermuda Triangle some Van Morrison some, I've got a little Christmas tune going on as well there's some Led Zeppelin as well a few heavy rocker heads out there coming up next though we have a poem this is short but lovely and sweet Wimwood 
into the coppery halls of beech and intricate oak, to be close to the trees as they whisper together, let the fall their leaves, and die for the winter. If I can get my lovely daughter's shipshape in Bristol fashion onto the podcast before the end of the weekend, there will be another edition. But please don't blame me. I have to get those, those lazy bones out of their beds to do an audio delectation. From the new parapet of Chappie Towers, Chappie out. Cheerio. Ah!